0: Hello, welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. I'm your host, James Intricasso. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. I'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, noblenight.com. They're a brick-and-mortar game store that also exists online. They have any edition of any game, even out-of-print products. With Noble Knight, you can sell back your old gaming products that you aren't using anymore. Let's hear a word from them.
1: Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday,
0: Thursday, Friday, even Saturday! Noble Knight is a brick-and-mortar
2: game store. Support small businesses that also exist online. Open 24-7 on the web. They have D&D and other other cool RPGs. RPGs. Any edition. Any game. Even
0: out of print products at a discounted price that's out of control have a bunch of old game products collecting dust dangerous allergens
1: noble
2: knight will buy the old stuff you aren't using anymore looking at you indiana jones rpg so go to Noblenight.com noble and get by it and sell it take back your life and tell them the
3: tone show sent you
0: Today, we're talking about the next Baldur's Gate video game, a new website for the D&D Basic Rules, and the upcoming D&D Adventure Path being released in March. But first, let's meet our panel. Say hello, Rudy Basso. Hello. I won't make the joke. Say hello, Rudy Basso. (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. Say hello, Alex Basso. Hello, Alex Basso. I will make the joke. (laughs) It's a winner. Say hello, Allison Rossi. Hi there. And Andrew Kane. Hey. All right, everyone. And today's get to know you question. With which D&D monster do you most want to party? Let's start with you, Rudy Basso. A
3: beholder would make the perfect bartender with all those limbs, just mixing drinks and hand them out, put him in a little tuxedo with a bow tie. Yes, sir. That would be quite enjoyable. Uh My party would be epic if that was the
0: case. It's true. It's true. He'd be using the telekinesis and anybody who was a downer, he could immediately disintegrate too, which I think is an added bonus when you have a beholder. Added bonus. (laughs) Allison Rossi, who would you most like to party with from the D&D Monster Manual?
1: I think it would be pretty interesting to party with a Rakshasa. Just because they're tricky little bastards and they can turn into to different things, use magic, you know, all the different stuff. And their normal form looks pretty cool. Like, you know, a human like tiger is pretty badass. So I think they'd be interesting to party with.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Although their most disturbing feature is their, their hands because their yeah, hands are bad. Yeah, that would
1: be kind of like interesting at a party. You know, you got something weird going on, show it off to everyone while everyone's drunk and they're just really amazed by it. So it's great.
0: It's true, although I'm sure Rudy will join me when I say that is gross.
3: Super gross. (laughs) Handshakes would be very awkward with that dude.
0: (laughs) Alex Basso, with which D&D monster do you most want to party?
3: I would
2: most like to party with a a kobold. And my reasoning is, uh, I don't know how these monsters are going to handle their alcohol. Maybe they'll be very angry drunks. And most of them will easily be able to kill me. So, a kobold, only about 40 pounds. I feel like I could probably hold my own against him. I'm always thinking about me. I don't want to I don't want to die at a party from a minotaur
3: goring me.
0: Exactly. And, you know, if you get the right kind of kobold, you can order them around make them get food and drinks for you and Are the flying kobolds a bunch of tricks? Yeah, there's a lot of options. Andrew Kane, with which D&D monster
4: do you most want to party? I think the obvious answer is moon rats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because You know, you have that short period of the month where you can just have these really great conversations, epic chess battles, etc., And then you can spend the rest of the month just uh, messing around with them uh, because they're really stupid.
0: (laughs) Yes, moon rats, of course, from one of the monster manuals in third edition, are rats that as the moon gets fuller, their
3: intelligence increases.
0: So when the moon is full, they are super intelligent.
3: That was definitely the obvious choice. You're right, Andrew. I can't (laughs) believe we all missed it. (laughs) So Beam Dog
0: has a new Baldur's Gate. Game in development, but it's not officially Baldur's Gate 3, which they say could still come to us but rather Baldur's Gate 1.5. It's a story that bridges the gaps between Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. This is pretty exciting stuff, and of course I had to have Rudy Basso and Alex Basso from the d and and g podcast on to talk about this with us. So how do we feel about this, guys? Are you pumped to see another Baldur's Gate game? It's been a while. Uh, do you think that it's going to be something completely new? And are you excited to check it out let's start
3: with you rudy basso i am very hesitant because beam dog is not a major developer and this is a major announcement the Baldur's gate games are incredibly well regarded and while some of the guys at beam dog are bioware uh veterans they don't really have a major development team the only thing they've really done is remakes I I mean, enhanced editions of the Baldur's Gate games, Mm. which, I mean, they add some new stuff, but they're not making a game. I don't know how it's going to work out. It's, it's, I would not get super excited about this initially. The other thing is, uh, I don't think it's good for Dungeons & Dragons to make a game based on 2nd edition rules, mm. which is what they play. They're not converting it to 5th edition. They're they're using 2nd edition. So I, I feel like if new players get into it and start playing it, one, they might be confused because the rules are very confusing. And two, if they decide they want to run out and try this at a table, that will also be like, oh, this is not at all what we were playing. So I think it's great that someone is out there interested in making a Baldur's Gate game, but I don't know if it's in the best hands with these guys necessarily. I know I would not want to be making a Baldur's Gate game because it's, it's, there's so much pressure on them to make something not just good, but make something great. So I, I'm excited for them, but I don't envy the job that they have in front of them.
0: Rudy, do you think that because this is, you know, a decade after the last Baldur's Gate game, they need a complete overhaul of the way the game is played and graphics and everything else um, in order for this to be like a successful new Baldur's Gate title.
3: No, because I think that everyone, kind of, I don't want to say that I can't speak for the world, but I think everyone might kind of have my expectations. They've made it clear they're going to use the Infinity Engine, which is dated, but that's fine. You know, people don't necessarily play it for the stunning graphics. They're in it for the amazing story, the amazing characters and the uh the gameplay I guess, which is which is fine. It's <laughs> uh it's a little dated at this point, but it, those turn-based fantasy uh, party RPGs are coming back in uh in style with Dragon Age. So this might be a great thing. I I just I wouldn't get super um, excited yet because there's a lot of questions. Alex Basso, what are your thoughts on
0: this Baldur's Gate game?
2: Uh, I, I'm of Rudy. I'm you know hesitant, excited by the fact that you know there is gonna be more content for it. But what I really not worried about, but it, it just doesn't since it's they're billing it as 1.5 or you know it's in between one and two. Uh, I really don't know if it's gonna be like a big you know project. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a very very short game. In comparison to one or two, uh, it seems like you know they do have plans to make Baldur's Gate three, which will probably come with a new engine. Will come with you know probably the newer rule set, but this might just be a way for them to kind of cut their teeth on making their own original content because they did you know they made the enhanced editions and they've added very very little content of their own. I think a couple different characters, uh, like a horde mode that you can play, but for the most part, you know it's just updates to the Infinity Engine to make it more usable. So this is a good way for them to hopefully make their own content, you know, see how, how good quality they can create. And general, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I really want to see this. Um, Baldur's gate one and two, there is, yeah, there's a little bit of, there's something that happens in between one and two. That's never really fully explained. So this is what that's going to do. It's going to, tell that story but i don't know if that was really needed you know we don't need to know what happened i love baldur's gate 2 i don't like baldur's gate 1 all that much so and that's mostly due to the fact that baldur's gate 1 are the early levels of dungeons and Dragons. it's level like 1 through 8 which is like the most boring gameplay as soon as you run into a wolf you know you start your level 1 mage you have 4 health and you run into a wolf in the woods and you're dead I assume it'll be a mid-level adventure, but if it does uh, lean towards the earlier levels, I'm definitely not that interested in it as compared to, say, the very epic adventures that occur in Baldur's Gate. so.
0: Sure, I think you're definitely right about low-level D&D play in a video game. It's a lot of fun at the table, but uh, not necessarily a lot of fun when you're trying, you know, hitting the rest key after every battle uh, so that you can have a chance of surviving in a dungeon filled with monsters. The other thing is, I did get the impression a little bit that this is sort of... Uh, A way for them to keep interest in Baldur's Gate up before they release 3. And it would be a bad thing for them if this was a bad game, because that may actually hurt the rep
3: a little bit. I would be incredibly surprised if Baldur's Gate 3 was made by these guys. I would think that would be a AAA game from Bioware. I don't know, you know, it's a rights thing. I don't know who owns what. But maybe these guys will help make Baldur's Gate 3. But if that's announced, it's going to be a huge deal. And I would think Bioware would be helming that. And it would use a new engine. It would be millions and millions of dollars. and It would be a A game and a huge release. So I don't know what Beamdog's plans are, but they might not uh, <laughs> achieve them. Whoever owns the
0: license, right, it behooves them to put out a game to keep the interest up. So, uh, you know, Beamdog may have Bioware's permission to do this uh, while they're working on Baldur's Gate 3. Allison, what do you think about this? Have you played the Baldur's Gate games? And uh, are you excited to see something new?
1: So I actually haven't played any of the Baldur's Gate games. Um, people keep telling me to, but I just haven't gotten into it. Um, but it, like Rudy said, it kind of worries me that it's using 2 E roll set. Um, as it is, it's really confusing for people coming into D&D. They're like, oh, there's... 2e, and there's 3 but there's also 3.5e, and then there's 4e, and now there's just 5e. What is going on? There's so many additions. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what to choose. I feel like seeing a game where it uses a completely different rule set than what's new is going to confuse a lot of people. It makes sense in the sense that they're putting a game between Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, but I feel like it definitely is going to potentially hurt new people who are trying to get into the game, and they start with, you know, not a tabletop version of it. Um, so that's kind of where where my thinking is. It also worries me how they're going to place it in between the two games in, in terms of story and timeline. Uh, so it should be interesting to see what they do with it.
0: Where the story suffers is, is this well thought out? Is this something that sort of they've always kind of planned on doing? Or is this a thing that has been rushed because they really want to try to see if they can make it happen.
1: And I think it's also interesting, it might also be a good time for it in a sense of, I feel like a lot of the games that I saw on the recent Steam sale, people were really loving the top-down games, Mm -hmm. so maybe that's also what they're trying to kind of go after, the people who are interested in those types. Um, Maybe want to get into D&D but don't know where to start, but I feel like definitely the different rule sets is going to cause some confusion, but I guess we'll see where it goes if it goes anywhere.
0: Uh, Andrew Kane, what do you think about this Baldur's Gate 1.5 announcement?
4: Uh, I also have not played Baldur's Gate. Ah. And so I guess my feelings aren't really, they're neither here nor there when it comes to that. I will say I agree with what's been said about um, the 2E rules as far as just for someone who hasn't really done it and might be like, oh, this might be interesting to look at that and hear that and kind of be like, oh, I don't know if I really want to experience that is something that could hold up people or confuse them. But overall, unfortunately, I don't have my opinion is fairly mild because uh, my experience with it is uh, very limited.
0: Well, I'm going to recommend that you and Allison go ahead and download the game for iPad because uh, it is pretty fun uh, or on Steam or whatever you have. Certainly, it uses the 2E rule set, but it's the easiest way you'll ever play 2E because you don't need all the charts and everything. They're already there uh, programmed in for you.
3: At the beginning of the second one, it's funny because you are captured. That's how the game starts. So, whatever happens in this game at the end, you're going to lose a fight and you're going to end up captured. So. That'll be fun. At least you won't have to wait years for the sequel to come out, though. Let's talk about the
0: new D&D Basic Rules website. So the player basic rule PDF, all of the information that's in there, has been turned into a pretty awesome website. You can, uh, you know, search through it. Uh, They have a a very handy table of contents uh, that's on the left-hand side so you can jump back and forth between sections pretty easily. It's actually... uh, I I was using it last night while I was playing a game of D&D and uh, it's really, really great. Really effective. Really easy to to jump from one thing to the next. And it's pretty cool that uh, Wizards went ahead and and did this with these rules. Uh, One can... Probably assume that they will also be doing this, you know, with the uh, DM basic rules as well, um, once those are finalized and they have all the info in there. Uh, You know, what do you guys think about this? The community overall has reacted pretty positively. Is this, you think, because now they've had to start uh, from ground zero, basically, and and build up everything for their digital tools. And this is one way that they're trying to sort of tide people over. Hey, look, you have this thing that's a little more useful than a PDF and that sort of thing. Uh, and, and are you happy to uh, see this? Do you think that you will actually use it during play? Let's start with you, Alex Basso.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. It's so effective compared to just the PDF. The ability to search through everything, uh, well sorted out. Uh, I really like it. And, you know, is it a substitute for the loss of uh, Dungeonscape? Right? Was that the name of it? Mm -hmm. I'm already already forgetting. It's been so long. Uh, (laughs) If it is, you know, I'm fine with it. I mean, people have been asking for, you know, interactable PDFs. Not a PDF, a website, but easy to interact with, very useful. I'd love to see this for, uh, you know, a player's handbook. So definitely, I'd say a step in the right direction. And, you know, for me, 5th edition, I don't need the character builder at least not at the moment. I want more of stuff like this. Let's keep it coming.
0: Cool. Well, I am certainly glad to hear that. Uh, You know, I think the one thing that is kind of a bummer about this is obviously it's the basic rules. So you still don't have something... like you know like the player's handbook that's completely searchable like this so somebody who's maybe playing a warlock or has a spell that isn't in the basic rules has a little bit of a harder time and is still at a disadvantage like you said uh you know the the loss of Dungeonscape in some ways is is still definitely a blow but this helps tide things over for me what do you think allison
1: so i think so far looking at it it is great um Like, my whole thing is trying to make D&D accessible to people, and I like talking to people about it and helping them get started and helping them make characters or go through their options quickly. And flipping through a book isn't always the quickest thing. Yeah, I have bookmarks, like little tabs in my book, but if they buy their their player's handbook, they're not going to have that, and they might not know what they need to go to. With the new redesign of the basic rules, it's just so easy to click through things and click around and see, like, I have no idea what I'm looking for, but it might be somewhere around here. It's much easier to go through than a PDF. I I really love it, and I'm very glad that they did it the way they did. Definitely a good resource.
4: Andrew Kane, what do you think? Uh, I think it's a huge step in the right direction as far as the digital age that we live in and the resources that are available to us. Um, Obviously, as you said, um, it just being the basic rules, there are certain things that on the one level, I'm like, oh, I wouldn't be able to use this. But um, as I'm playing a uh, cleric in one game right now, and I'm already seeing the spell list, uh, certain ones that'll just be easy to more quickly access than just kind of the big list of spells in my book or whatever. And I also understand if maybe putting the whole player's handbook in this format might not work or it might take a while. But I think even putting something like the complete spell list out would just make it so much easier to, while you're playing, uh, particularly if you're playing in a game that is, um, you know, using an online game table, you're, 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 you're at a computer, etc., um, so much easier to access the information. And not that it's so cumbersome now that I can't handle it or anything, but it's just so nice that you can go, oh, cantrip, oh, um, sacred flame, and it just drops you right down and provides you all that information. I love the ease with which you can use it. And I think there are at the very least certain aspects of the game where a full listing in this format would be hugely helpful. Uh, so I, I think it's a, it's a step and it's a great step in the right direction. Sure.
0: And when you're talking about playing at the table, one of the things that's really cool is I checked it out on my iPhone and uh, it works great on a mobile phone um which is really cool so if you're you know if you're at the table anybody has access to the basic rules for combat and that sort of thing um you know and and it gives a chance for like okay i can look this up real fast on the phone uh probably faster than the guy with the player's handbook if you're looking up something like grapple rules or whatever Uh, rudy basso do you agree with everything that's been said
3: I agree with everything that's been said. Uh, Actually, it would be cool if they made an app out of, you know, Andrew, you're right. It would take a while, I think, for them to implement the entire PHP, Mm -hmm. but maybe to release an app with the same kind of setup just uh, for your phone or for an iPad might be a really great thing. And uh, it's definitely something I would look into buying. Um, I mean, I, can't really think of any major criticisms if i want to nitpick i don't quite understand some of the reasoning behind some of the drop downs why some of the stuff is in the main screen drop downable and other stuff is already dropped down to begin (laughs) with uh and then um at the bottom there should be links to the php and monster manual and dmg for the what comes next section but yeah it's it's great I I don't think anyone's going to be complaining about something like this.
0: Yeah, it's funny. That also bothered me that in the what comes next section, like, (laughs) oh, man, the the marketing, I guess, mind in my brain was like, why aren't you linking to these things to make it super easy for people to check them out?
3: Yeah, even like it says check the store and event locator on our website. Like, guys, just. Put the link right there.
1: (laughs) That's actually a really good point. I didn't even notice that. I don't know why you wouldn't link to your own stuff on your own website, but maybe we'll fix that. (laughs)
4: You you
2: have to prove that you are worthy of those items by finding them.
4: (laughs)
1: You have to search for it and find it yourself.
4: An app might be a great way to manage the fact that beyond the basic rules, the player's handbook, uh, a DMG, a monster's manual, whatever they might do, they, they'd probably, they'd want to charge for that. Um, and so I guess finding the balance between giving ease of access to that information, but also they want people to be buying those resources. That's a good way to kind of manage that as opposed to, I mean, I guess there's always the option of having a website that's behind a paywall or something like that. But I, I think an app is a great, uh, a potential great idea.
0: Sure, the app is free and comes free with all the basic rules on it, and then, you know, sort of like a a comiXology type thing, then through the app you can buy more searchable PDFs and that sort of thing. I I know that's what Dungeonscapes part of Dungeonscape's original plan was. Um, And to be honest, I would like that more than I would like any of the other adventure tools at this point, Um, because I feel like I have other places I can build maps and characters and that sort of thing. I just really want to be able to search the rules quickly and easily at this point.
4: That's really interesting, James. I didn't even think about that if you broke everything up, so you're like, I don't need the full player's handbook in this format, but I really want the spell list. Mm. or the combat rules, or something like this, where you have full access to that chapter section, but you don't have to necessarily pay out for all the information. That's really interesting to me. Really interesting.
0: Why don't we talk about the covers... For the elemental evil storyline that we're going to see. Uh, the Princes of the Apocalypse Source Book and the Adventurers Handbook were released on uh Nworld. Uh they are just some low res images that we've seen, uh, you know, of the Adventurers Handbook, which looks like uh it's got a, a guy in a lightning storm <laughs> and a Crazy looking enormous bird with a with a dude riding it coming after it. <laughs> uh and this is the, why I listen to the podcast. So you this don't is, this is a beautiful
1: explanation.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's Riveting a, audio podcast <laughs> Uh these will be, of course, linked in the show notes on thetomeshow.com uh and you know, within whatever podcatcher app you're using to listen to this. The princes of the Apocalypse adventure line has a, a big angel looking lady. Uh, with some other angels flying through the air uh, and more lightning. Uh, lightning definitely seems to be a, a theme of the Princes of the Apocalypse. It's one of the elements, These descriptions
1: right? are riveting, I must say. <laughs> Angel-looking lady and some lightning and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, just go to tomeshow dot com or go to nworld and and find the uh, the images that we're talking about. You know, seeing it, I was like, oh, all right, I'm pretty excited to check this out. It looks like there's going to be a lot of aerial combat, if nothing else, uh, based on these covers. Uh, but what did you think looking at them, Allison?
1: So, even though they're really low-res pictures, I think that just the the style of the covers is just beautiful. I love the motion and all the covers so far that they've given. All Just everything looks epic, and it just evokes everything that I think of when I think of D&D. Like, big battles that you could potentially get yourself into, and I just love them. I mean, the description that was given was not, you know, good enough to justify how they look, but they're, they're really cool looking. And I'm excited to see what's actually inside of them. The art inside of them, is, I'm sure is going to be amazing.
0: Alison, <laughs> you run uh, Encounters, right? At a Yes, a, I do. At your local friendly game store. You know, we're thinking Princes of the Apocalypse is going to be the next season of Encounters. Are you excited to get your hands on this book and, and start running organized play with it?
1: I am. I'm interested to see that because I've still been running Horde of the Dragon Queen. My group liked it enough that we wanted to continue with it. So we've been going with that. I think we're, we're on chapter six, going into seven right now, of Horde of the Dragon Queen. And, you know, I think it would be interesting to see what this book has inside it. And if they'd like to switch to that instead of doing Rise of Tiamat or something like that. So I'm I'm definitely curious. Um, and I look forward to to looking into it and seeing if they want to want to play that instead.
0: Andrew Kane, what are you thinking and feeling looking at these covers? And do you have any sort of speculations about what you might
4: see inside? A couple of things. Uh first of all, I just have to say I've been loving the art uh across the board uh when it comes to uh this edition and everything they've been putting out and all the little teasers we got before the players' handbook came out and the DMG and everything. I just think the the art has been fantastic. Um Come a long way from Hennet and all his belts, but um, that's what I'll say about that. But um, I really like the covers. Um, I think it's very interesting. Obviously, elemental power is playing a big role in these. In both the descriptions under Adventurer's Handbook, it says, Create heroic characters possessing elemental power. And then Princes of the Apocalypse prevent catastrophic elemental annihilation. So it's confusing because you possess the elemental power, but then you want to prevent the elemental annihilation. So I don't know what to feel. Uh, One thing I will say is next to Princes of the Apocalypse, Adventurer's Handbook is a really lame name. I'm sorry, Uh, because Princes of the Apocalypse sounds pretty awesome. And then it's just kind of like, oh... Adventurer's Handbook. Now, Elemental Evil Adventurer's Handbook uh, sounds good, but I understand that that's a lot to put on a cover. But uh, I really, I mean, it certainly whets the appetite and makes me want to look deeper.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people have speculated that the Adventurer's Handbook may still have a subtitle because uh, Wizards may put out future Adventurer's Handbooks to Uh, go with future storylines. Of course. uh, We're not seeing that on this cover, but that doesn't mean it's not necessarily going to be added later, um, since these are very low-res images and possibly even works in progress at this point. We're still pretty far out. They could change a lot if they wanted to. Rudy Basso. What did you think about these
3: covers and speculate with us? What do you think's inside? Sure, those covers look good, but uh, you hear Elemental Evil, my mind immediately goes to that old temple that Mm -hmm. is the temple of Elemental Evil, (laughs) which is Greyhawk. Right. Which makes me think they might be lifting famous, you know, icons is a big thing they've always been talking about with this. It's a big part of their philosophy. Uh, we have Horde of the Dragon King*. That's in *Tiamat*. That's a classic and the icon. Are they lifting iconic imagery and adventures from all editions, perhaps, with this one by putting the temple from *Greyhawk* in here? Who knows? Maybe that might be something neat. We might see some big *Dark Sun* plotline plop into the forgotten realms or something else so uh i'm excited i've been to the temple of mental evil as i said i was not particularly impressed with it um (laughs) that's got more to do with the video game that i played than the adventure itself but uh it'd be nice if we revisited that it'd be nice for modern gamers i'd love to see the tomb of horrors huh (laughs) how about an adventure in the tomb of horrors that'd be great um so i don't know we'll we'll have to see what it is
0: Well, and I know a lot of people love the elemental evil storyline in Greyhawk, and, you know, seeing the reaction of people online, some people were very upset, who are big Greyhawk fans, to to see what could possibly be that storyline being retold in Forgotten Realms. You know, there's no confirmation necessarily of that, but that... Would make sense if you're going to call stuff elemental evil. Um, So it, it'll be interesting to see where that nets out. You know, I, for one, am neither a big Forgotten Realms nor Greyhawk fan. So I'm with you, Rudy. I think it would be cool to see that story kind of in, in either universe, especially since Forgotten Realms and Greyhawk are very similar flavor wise, you know. Oh yeah, um, they're not as different as say Forgotten Realms and Dark Sun. Uh, so I, I'm excited to see what where this goes, and you know if we're gonna see a a big elemental evil temple inside. Alex Basso, are you excited? And what do you think we'll see inside?
2: So first off, like everyone said, the art is it's good. I like it. It's continuing the theme of five e art. That's cool. Um, but my big complaint. Is it's not called the Temple of Lightning Evil? It's the Temple of Elemental Evil. <laughs> in both books, the only element you see is lightning. They could definitely have mixed it up. Throw mm-hmm. some throw some fire in there at least. That's easy and popular. So oh. that's that's a little disappointing. Not that much variety in the elements. I mean, Adventurer's Handbook. All I'm thinking about is what class that guy is. And yeah, Caner said Tempest Cleric, which seems to make the most sense. I was hoping it was some sort of Ranger. Cause I want more ranger options.
4: Give a ranger a staff. I was hoping maybe yeah. that
2: bird was his companion, and that looks dwarf-looking thing riding it isn't someone riding it, but trying to stab it. So all I've been thinking about is possible new builds. Uh, you know, new new options for classes, um, which is always what I'm most excited about when any new content's released.
1: The one thing that scares me is mixing different worlds um, within, you know, the D anD. D game in general um there's already people freaking out about mixing forgotten realms gray hog dark sun blah, blah blah whatever just mixing them around um so that's already upsetting people i mean i just got into a conversation with someone the other day on reddit where they were upset because i suggested that in your own game in your own forgotten realms world a deity could die or not exist or something different could happen than the actual canon lore. So people get really offended really easily about small things. So so <laughs> <laughs> it should be interesting to see where that goes, the arguments that get started on the internet over it.
0: People on the internet, D&D is about using your imagination and changing things. That is exactly no, that's the not spirit allowed. of D&D. <laughs> <It's> not allowed. <laughs> so, not uh, If no- it's canon,
1: why would you mess that up? Gosh.
3: <laughs> where can people find you, Rudy Basso? <laughs> Hey, you can follow me on Twitter at Rudy Basso, R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O. And last Wednesday, Alex and I released a third episode of our podcast, D&D VNG, where we discussed a really obscure Dungeons & Dragons RTS. So be sure to listen to that. It's a weird game, and we have an, a nice conversation about it. And you can find a link to that podcast
0: in our show notes at thetomeshow.com. Alex Basso, where can people find you?
2: Uh people can find me on Twitter at Twitter. Wait, Twitter.com. Sorry, I'm new to the, still new to the Twitter thing. At yo underscore Alex Paso. Right? I don't need to say the Twitter part. You guys know that. Um Yeah, I'm 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 tweeting. I'm tweeting right oh, now. Not. I'm about to figure out
0: what hashtag I'm gonna tweet with. Allison Rossi, where can people find you?
1: You can mostly find me on Twitter at Allison R underscore ninety one A L L I S O N R underscore ninety one, or you can find me on Reddit. Apparently, getting yelled at by people who think mm-hmm. I can't change things about D and D.
4: Andrew
0: Kane, where can people
4: find you? I can be found on Twitter at Cavalier Kane K A V A L I E R uh, K A N E. I haven't been tweeting recently, but I'll get back on it.
0: People, if you have a question or topic you'd like to hear us discuss on the roundtable, reach out to me on Twitter at James Intracasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Or you can leave us a comment on the Tome Show's website, thetomeshow.com. And a quick shameless plug for me. Check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age. It's the fifth edition world I'm building this month. I'm doing a whole profile on new magic items I've created for Exploration Age. It's at World building. Blog.me. Okay, everyone. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Rudy, Alex, Allison, and Andrew. Many thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music, which you are listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or d and Classics to help support the show. And if you like the show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to The Roundtable.